Well, it's good to be with you this morning. At this time of year, you know, when it is so cold out, amen? I don't think a lot about gardens. In fact, I, I want some fresh fruit and vegetables, but I chose to live in a place that just doesn't have them. And uh, so I depend on going to the grocery store. And, and I know a few of you out there that are master gardeners. I know a few of you, like Nancy and others, that about this time of year, they've got the catalogs out, you know? They're getting the seeds ordered and the starts ordered. And, and in a couple months, they're going to have their kitchen sink all lined up with these little brown dishes of mud and uh, put some microscopic seed in them. And on faith, they're going to believe that that's going to turn into something. I'm a little different. I'm not quite like that. About May, I start thinking, hmm, I think we could, we could plant something this year. What do, you, what do you suppose we could plant, Paula? And then about June, I'm still thinking about it. And then and then I start thinking, you know, I'm going to be gone when the biggest watering season is happening and I'm going to need to weed. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of work. And about July, I'm just really happy to enjoy the fruits of your labor as you bring things to share with the congregation. But uh, it takes work. It takes time. It takes nurture. It takes care to grow a garden. Isaiah talks about that. If you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn to Isaiah chapter 61. And then when you find it, will you stand with me as I read God's word? Isaiah 61, the Lord God's spirit is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release for captives and liberation for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and a day of vindication of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for Zion's mourners, to give them a crown in place of ashes, oil of joy in place of mourning, a mantle of praise in place of discouragement. They will be called oaks of righteousness, planted by the Lord to glorify himself. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore formerly deserted places. They will be reunited cities, renew reunited cities, places deserted in generations past. Then skip down to verse 11, if you will. As the earth puts out its growth and as a garden grows its seeds, so the Lord, the Lord God will grow righteousness and praise before all the nations the word of the Lord for the people of God. You know, Isaiah had, had already written of this coming destruction of exile, and then he began to talk about hope, hope that would eventually come. But he set up, even as early as chapter 54, he began to set up this idea that those who believed in the Messiah would, would become the seeds of growth, not just for Israel, but for all nations. 
even way back in Genesis, he began, God began to tell his people that it, this blessing, I, this blessing I want to pour out into your life is not just for you, but it is for all nations, all nations, all people, all tongues. This garden that Isaiah describes is, is God's work in the world. So I, I ask myself, why are we here? I mean, why are we come here to talk about missions, to talk about faith promise? Some of you may not even be familiar with this term faith promise or what missionaries do or why missions. So I thought I'd just take just a moment to give a, a little teaching on missiology 101. It's really quite basic. If you take Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Christ says, make disciples of all nations. But what's interesting there is that he is speaking to all believers. So it means that all of us are to be in this place of making disciples. You can't just put it off for the professionals. You can't just say if you're not a gifted evangelist or if you're, an ex if you're not an extrovert, that's not for me. All of us are called to be disciples. Now, what happened in the church in, in more recent decades is that somehow we got confused about this making disciples business, and we thought it just meant making converts. Let's just get our numbers in. People to, to say they believe in Jesus, and then we can change the numbers. And don't get me wrong. We want people to understand the love of Jesus in their life and come to accept him as their Lord and Savior. So conversion is a good thing. But what Christ is calling to us to is to make disciples that will make disciples, to plant churches that will plant churches and grow. We are to be making disciples. All of us are to be making disciples. So if, if we're all to be making disciples, why do we come here and talk about missions? So this is the second part of the lecture on Missiology 101. Some people are called and equipped in their disciple making to pack up their, their lives and their families and go to places that are unfamiliar, to places where people do not know the good news of Jesus Christ. They are, by the way, you sometimes think of them as the people who come and tell cool stories and really talk a lot about really interesting food. And I do have those. I have some really cool stories about food that could ruin your lunch. But, but that's not primarily why we come and talk about the work God is doing around the world. We want to talk about the work because we are all in this game, in this calling of making disciples. Some are called to go, the rest are called to sin. There's kind of no in-between, by the way. You're either called to go or called to sin, and you are called to make disciples where you are. So that is why we come here today. We don't just talk about missions when Pastor Scott gets sick, all right? Um, it was nice and convenient that he happened to get sick when I was already planning on being here. But, uh, and he didn't maybe want to hear what I had to say. I'm not sure. But, no, that's not true. 
We are all about missions. The Church of the Nazarene has been a part of missions, has been invested in missions around the world from day one. Early on, even actually before we merged denominations to call ourselves the Church of the Nazarene, we had missionaries out in the field doing mission work. And today we find ourselves in 160 different world areas. Praise the Lord. That's where you say amen. That's great news. And the even better news is that there's not missionaries in all 160 mission areas anymore because many of those nations, many of those areas have made disciples who have made disciples, who have planted churches, who have planted more churches, and they are now sending missionaries into the uttermost parts of the world. In fact, the Church of the Nazarene sends missionaries now from 66 different countries. That is good news. That is the garden growing as it is. Now, because Paula and I, my wife and I, spent quite a lot of time in Southeast Asia, I'm not going to talk all about 160 different countries, but I want to just take three of the countries in Southeast Asia, ones that College Church is very much invested in, and to whom we've been working with missionaries like uh, Kevin Campbell-White and Bill Kwan and Lisa Lehman for many years. And I want to just kind of talk about how the garden, this garden analogy that Isaiah brings up, the seeds have been planted over years and they have begun to come to fruition. God is doing an amazing work. So let me tell you a little about Myanmar. Back when the Church of the Nazarene started there 37 years ago, Myanmar was known as Burma. And from that point, really, I mean, it wasn't because we entered the country, but from that point on, there has been strife and war and turmoil. If you pay any attention at all to international news, Myanmar is constantly in the news, military coup, uh, takeovers, a little bit of democracy, and then back to a military coup, and then different takeovers. Even recently, even in 2021, a new military regime has taken order. And in the midst of all of that, Christianity is not welcome. So uh, missionary Kevin Campbell-White, living in Thailand, says that in the last several months, because of war, because of COVID, no missionaries have been able to enter into the country. But through the blessing of Zoom, some of you probably don't think of it as a blessing if you're working on it all day long, but it, through the blessing of Zoom, they have been able to connect, to stay in contact with the work that's going on and the leadership in Myanmar. He said just recently he was on a call with them. And while he's talking with several church leaders, he hears explosions and gunfire in the back. It's like they didn't notice it, but they were telling him about the, the upswing in violence that they'd been seeing. And they said, we'd really like to ask for prayer. And, and immediately, Kevin said, he, he kind of expected that they would ask for prayer about their safety, which, of course, he was praying about their safety already. And, and he was wondering if they weren't going to ask to be kind of taken out of that dangerous situation. But they didn't ask for prayer in either of those areas. Instead, they said, this weekend, we have a discipleship camp planned. And, and there's fighting around it. We don't want to cancel 
the camp, we need to have a discipleship camp. They were more concerned about making disciples than they were about their own safety. And when we hear things like that, we recognize that no longer is there these five little seedling churches that Paula and I knew about when we were living there. But today, today, there are four different districts. There are, let me get my numbers right, there are 65 churches and 4,700 members throughout Myanmar. God is doing an amazing thing. And just recently, this is, this is exciting and something for you to pray about. Just recently, the Church of the Nazarene was invited into a province that has um, almost no Christian presence. And they said, we are in desperate need of teachers, of educators in schools in these villages. If the Church of the Nazarene can help us train Burmese teachers to teach our children, we'll let you preach in those villages. To God be the glory. And so pray with us, because I don't, I don't know if you know of any institutions that might know how to develop curriculum around education and teach people, but they are asking that those institutions like NNU to come alongside of the district to help them train and teach teachers so that they can move Christians into those villages. It's a great opportunity. And God continues to grow his garden. Come with me now across the peninsula to Cambodia, on the other side of Thailand. Cambodia is a quite different country. It, just as Myanmar is torn with strife and war, Cambodia hasn't seen war for quite a long time. They, they experienced a genocide, but after that time, they have just been in deep poverty. Uh, a, a real um, challenge for them just to survive as a, as a general rule across the country. And into that kind of zone of poverty came the Church of the Nazarene. The first missionary there was actually a refugee out of Cambodia. During the Civil War in the 80s, uh, he, he and his wife escaped, found themselves in real need in Los Angeles, and a Nazarene family took them in and cared for them. And that church and that family nurtured them and discipled them until they said, we have to go back. We have to go back to our people and tell them the good news that they haven't heard. And so they did. They went back into a difficult situation, a hard situation, one that church planting was not easy when there's corruption and there's poverty and difficulty all around them. But slowly, through the Word of God, through prayer, those seeds began to take fruit. They began to see God starting to change men and women and families and grow throughout Cambodia. Just before the pandemic um, hit, the churches said, one of our biggest needs, physical needs, is clean water. 
So they asked Nazarene Compassionate Ministry to help them. They asked others as like those in our, in our congregation to come alongside them and help them to build some wells. And as they built the wells and they began to freely give out clean water in their villages, people wanted to know more. And the churches began to tell them about the living water, a, a water that could come and, and go deep into their heart and their souls and their lives and give them true life. And the church began to blossom. Well, then the pandemic hit and the poverty that was already there totally destroyed what economic system was left. And so in the early, early 2021, the churches said, we have to do something. People are starving. And Nazarene Compassionate Ministries stepped in and provided 40-pound bags of rice for every member in the Church of the Nazarene. And they needed it, but they also shared it. And that went really well. And then, as you know, as we all know, COVID lasted a little longer than we'd wanted it to. In fact, the first day was longer than any of us wanted it to. But the rice ran out. And Southeast Asia's Nazarene Compassionate Ministry budget couldn't send another 40-pound bag to every member in the Church of the Nazarene. So Kevin asked the church, the churches, the church leadership, what do we do? And they went to prayer, and they talked to their church members, and they said, what should we do? Their solution was this. We'll identify in every congregation the poorest of the poor. And we think we have enough money to provide each family with one cup of rice to help them for a little while. But then each congregation identified the poorest of the poor of the non-Christians in their community, and they came up with enough money to provide two cups of rice to each of them. That was good. But I don't know if you know it or not, but one cup of rice is not very much and doesn't last very long. And, and the churches, and this is why I really want to tell you this story, the churches said, we're grateful for what we can offer through Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, but, but it's not enough. We can't sit back as a church and watch our unbelieving neighbors die from starvation. And so they, in a desperate, difficult situation, church by church begin to sacrifice begin to scrape together so that they could help their non-Christian neighbors survive. And that has happened time after time after time over these last few months and weeks. And even today, they are giving out cups of rice in the name of Jesus to keep their neighbors alive and to share the living water with them. It is a beautiful thing. And what we're seeing there is God's garden growing up and maturing. It's no longer just a handful of struggling churches. After 31 years of cultivation, Cambodia has 63 organized churches and 2,000 members. And 
they continue to just want so much to move to the next village and the next village and the next village. Well, you know, we love Thailand. Paula and I love Thailand. We lived there some years. And, and so I want to talk a little more about this country between Cambodia and Myanmar and uh, very different. There are the majority of the people are ethnic Thai. So you'll hear me refer to ethnic Thai, and then you have the minority hill tribe people. Um, in those early days, in 92, when Paula and I first arrived there, uh, there was just a, one church, one organized church among the Thai, and then there was a planted church in northeastern among Thai uh, in, the, in the city of Surin. And, and early on, I met Daniel Sangwichai. Some of you know Daniel that, that came there on a trip, but that's a different Daniel in the Hill Tribe world. Daniel Sangwichai was the pastor of Bangkok first. He was a couple years older than I was. I was getting, going through language school, you know, the secular language school, meaning I was learning how to order at the store and read and write and do that. And Daniel was helping me to actually learn how to speak in churches. And, and what happened was, is they have two different languages. They have a low language that you talk, and then they have a high language. It's kind of like King James Thai. And that's what you preach in. That's what you teach in. He was trying to teach me that. And when I went to school and I finished my kindergarten education, my kindergarten level Thai, he said, it's time for you to preach in Thai. So I may not have grown much since then, but that's what he expected me to do. I was grateful for his help. He helped me to say the right things. I, some, I'm not sure I even knew what I was saying. Daniel was hungry for the Lord. And he continued to lead that congregation, but he also wanted to learn more. And he grew and he grew. He got a master's degree and then he went on. He came to the U.S. and, and got a doctorate in, from Asbury Seminary. And then he went back to Thailand. But you might have heard pastors say, Pastor Scott say that you can, you can take Israel out of Egypt, but it's really hard to take Egypt out of Israel. The same is true in, in Thailand. You can take a person out of Buddhism, but it's very hard to get Buddhism out of the person. And in Daniel's life, that was also true. Even as he grew to understand Christ, even as he grew in his knowledge of Scripture, his understanding of the body his understanding of the church was set in a Buddhist hierarchy. And he struggled with that. He struggled with that for years. And he was very discouraged about what to do about it and how to build the church. And even as he began to teach others scripture, he struggled with that. But there was a time that that seed of growth began to grow in Daniel. And he began to realize through the power of the Holy Spirit that he was not called to make a name for himself. He was not called to have this position of authority in a church so that he could have lay members under him, which would be very much the way a Buddhist temple works. 
He was called, like you and I, to make disciples. And he began to believe that they could have a spirit-led church in Thailand that had disciple makers without a building, without a structure, but called into community. And so they started that. They called it at first the mobile church, and then they called it Thai Patana, Church of the Nazarene. Every week they get together in different members' church, in different members' homes. Then they go out into the community and they serve in communities that have no churches and no Christian presence at all to share the love of God with people. I'm going to take just a couple minutes and share a small clip just so that you get a sense of Daniel and how God has been working in his life. The vision and mission of our mobile church, well, our mission is to fulfill the great commandments, you know, like of the Lord and also what we want to accomplish in our life is to, to make disciples of all nations, of course. But our target groups are not nations, so we are targeting Thai people. We want to evangelize and make disciples with Thai people as much as possible. The vision we have for this group is one day we would be able to have a established church, but with a mobile mentality, meaning we want to uh, spread out this mobile idea to, to the new generation of people. That you, you don't have to have buildings, if you want to start a church, you don't have to have a place to start a church. All you need to have is the heart to serve God, to see your own people to come to Christ. From there, you can organize yourself and begin to minister to people from your own house, from your own business place, from your own workplace, school, universities. That's the church for you. You don't have to have the buildings. Of course, buildings will come eventually, but that is not the end. We, we, we would want to encourage people to carry on this mindset of having a mobile church. That's what we want to accomplish. It, it's simple. It's kind of like growing a garden. It's really simple. It just takes work and time and time and nurture and care. And the church continues to grow in Thailand up north, in, among the hill tribe work that's going on there, God continues to work as well. In fact, we all here and, uh, and Nampa First participated in a, in a great offering recently that went to help put a new roof on an older church building. And by say, when I say older, not older like this church building, but like a couple decades old, and uh, it was falling down. And they, they, they received this gift from us with incredible graciousness and hum humility. And they, then they said, but we haven't met for 18 months because of COVID. Will we even have a church when the government allows us to meet again? But in faith, they took the gift that we had, and the church leaders began to put a new roof on this building. 
And the first thing they did was they, as soon as the government allowed them to meet again, they invited all of their neighbors to come under that roof and to learn the story of Christmas. And that small church building was packed, packed with non-believers and church members who told the good news of Jesus to their neighbors. You know, even through COVID, the disciple-making continued. People were making disciples, talking to their neighbors, loving their neighbors, and the garden continues to grow. So today, you know, it, it started out so, so simple, couple little churches in Thailand. Today, there are two districts and 39 churches with 2,000 members, and they continue to grow. They thank you for your gift. They're excited that we will someday get to send a, a team there as soon as travel is allowed. But they also want to let you know that they have been inspired by our generosity and they're beginning to plan their first mission trip from their district. They want to go to a group that has never been evangelized and begin to bless them. So why do we come year after year and ask for your sacrifice so that we can send people out into the world? You know, today, missions is not just an American thing. Uh, Church of the Nazarene sends missionaries from 66 different nations. Southeast Asia right now has missionaries from the U.S., from the Philippines, and from Korea. And they are working to nurture and cultivate and grow disciples that will make disciples, that will plant churches, churches that will plant churches. And it is through year after year of our faithfulness that God continues to grow his garden, that garden that Isaiah talked about. It is truly a faith promise that we're making. It won't make sense on paper. Don't try to pencil it out. Tithe doesn't make sense, but we're called to do it and we're faithful to it. But this is above tithe. This is even makes even less sense. But in faith, God always provides, and we are grateful, and God allows His church to grow in this way. Dave, would you come and talk more about faith promise? Thank you for letting me be with you this morning. It's always dangerous to put a former missionary in front of a microphone, but uh, um, we will finish on time today. Don't worry. (laughs) There's a picture I want to show you um, of a young woman um, by the name of Rosa. I think she will magically appear in a minute. I hope so. Rosa is a young woman that lives in the country of Armenia. She's the uh, daughter of a Nazarene pastor. 
grew up in the church, uh, an archaeologist who uh, works for the museum in her town. She's recently been named as the NMI, or the Nazarene Missions International um, representative for all of Northern Europe. Now, if you know anything about Armenia, it's one of those m kind of marginalized people of the world that have been persecuted, who have struggled to find a home, who have found their life to be very difficult. But let me share with you a few words from her. These are the things that Rosa wrote herself. Missions is my passion, and that is why I love doing this role as an NMI representative. There are people in my life who have told me that I'm not enough, that I can't do anything, but God shows us through the Bible the power of a person in whose life God, God works. And this is what I believe in. I can change something. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And if I can do something, why not do it? She goes on to say that the church needs people who think not only of themselves, but also of those who come to our church, or maybe those that don't even know God yet. I am nothing if God does not work in my life. We are all called to do the great work of God. We are called to make Christ-like disciples in all nations. We are God's people, and we are powerful if we work together. This is what God calls us to do. Work with the Holy Spirit in unity, wherever you are and whoever you are. Every single person is important to God, and that is why I am honored to be a part of God's mission and serve our God with all of you. This is one of the seeds that has been planted in one of the difficult places around the world, and now she is serving all of Northern Europe. We come to you today to talk about faith promise because we can all do something, and why not? We all have the opportunity to not just to look at our budget and say, yes, I've got $10 here, or I've got $20 here, or maybe $100 here, but we're all called to ask by faith, what can I do? How can I participate in making Christ-like disciples in all the nations of the world? And so we come in faith. Uh, Kathy Benz told me the other day, she had a great idea. She says, why don't you just ask God to give you some extra money this year and to give it to missions? Maybe that's the way we can do faith promise. I know that we, we're all happy when something, a check comes in the mail or we get a refund or something like that. Think of, uh, think of all the nations of the world when that's, that happens. And you have a brochure right here that tells uh, you have your budget in it. If you don't have, if you didn't get a brochure when you came in, shame on you. No, if you didn't get one, uh, we might even have some people that can hand them out to you. Maybe we'll have some at the door uh, as you go out. But uh, we have our budget. We have what we've done this year in special offerings. And we have a total budget this year of uh, 
of 125,000 for Faith Promise and another $25,000 for um, special offerings. You can be a part of that. You can raise up people like Rosa who will help to take the message into all the, uh, into all the nations of the world. There's a Faith, um, Faith Promise commitment card. Uh, if you want to, you can tear off that card and you can put it in the offering plate. You can go onto our website, uh, Nampa College Church, and you can find that there's a copy of the budget there and how we're going to spend our money this year. And at the same time, you can make a commitment to Faith Promise. But do it prayerfully. Do it together. Do it as a family. Uh, do it with a friend that can help you to, to by faith, maybe give more than you ever have before. And the key to this is not that those who have already given say, well, I'll give 10% more or 20% more. The key is that each one of us will say, what can I do? And together, we can do so much more. We can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit and do it in unity. If you want to, you can go to our mission board. There'll always be a copy of, our, of the brochure there if you need to pick one up. And so God bless you. You know, uh, as a former missionary, um, this is one of the greatest days of the year. There's, there's Easter, there's Christmas, uh, uh, there's my wedding anniversary. Those are all great days. <laughs> I, I do remember what day it is. <laughs> but Faith Promise Day has to be right up there at the same time. This is the day that by faith we can say, I will do something. I will raise up hundreds and thousands of young leaders around the world. So God bless you as you prayerfully make a decision. And wouldn't it be great if every one of us here today would make even the smallest commitment to missions because together we can do great things for the Lord. God bless you all. Thanks. It's been good to gather today to celebrate that we are a missional people because God's a missional God. And as we celebrate this, I would say um, throughout the years, it is a great uh, gift, an invitation to participate in missions. Um, I've always thought it comical that folks get nervous talking about money in the church. I've always thought, no problem at all. I'll talk about it all the time. God has blessed us immensely, Yes. One of the great lessons that I was taught early on is the question is not how much of your money you're going to keep for yourself, but how much of God's money you're going to keep. What are the ways in which as we celebrate that God is doing great things in the world? And money is just a part of that. So thank you for considering prayerfully. Many of you I know in this church have given a faith promise for many, many years and decades. We thank you for that. If you haven't done it before, as, as Dave mentioned, this is a great year to start. To say, how can God, out of the abundance, over ties to share what God is doing in the world? I invite you to stand as we receive this prayer and benediction. Gracious God, we thank you this day for Eric and Dave, for their passion. For many of them, Lord, who've served in a place of missions. Lord, many in this congregation, Lord, have served in short and long-term missions, and we're so thankful for the privilege and opportunity it has been to participate in what you're doing. And Lord, the thing about faith promise for this year, first of all, Lord, we're so thankful for the way in which this church responded over the years, time and time again, uh, to participate in the missions of what God is doing. 
whether it's through time or resources. So Lord, I pray as we consider even today or this week how we can participate, that you would invite us to lean into boldness with great faith. And Lord, to celebrate the great gift and invitation it is to participate in your kingdom coming right here in Nampa, the Treasure Valley, but also in Southeast Asia and around the world. What a great opportunity and privilege. So Lord, we thank you this day for the great word from Eric. Lord, as we've celebrated with us, Lord, your gardens take a long time. But Lord, you invite us to participate in that garden growing both here and around the world. So Lord, may it be so. May you bless all those who are participating. Be with our missionaries all over the world. Bless them this day. May they sense your encouragement and strength. The challenges are great, but your kingdom is coming. We'll give you thanks and praise in Christ's name. Amen. Receive this benediction. May the God who found you send you to love your world in hope and joy and peace. Go in the great commission love to make disciples in all the world. Amen.